Fuckers! Ta-da! Ta-da, ta-da, ta-da. Well, we are a little bit late tonight, not because of you, but because of me. I get back from uh, dinner a little late, so sorry to hold everybody up a little bit, but we are rocking and rolling. The funny thing is, is that I don't trip on you one bit, because I you've no, I don't think you've ever no-showed. And no, if I tell you, if I tell you, I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be there. Yeah, but part of this was also on me because I got I've gotten so confident that you'll be here that I didn't feel the need to send you any text earlier, like "Hey, just a reminder, this or that." You know, and sometimes we'll go back and forth, and yeah. we'll say, "Hey, what do you want to talk about tonight? Is there anything you know maybe I should bring up, whatever?" But Ultimately, thrill. You know, it's just, this is clockwork, dude, and it's starting to pay off, so to speak. In that the numbers have been through the roof on our podcast, and right. we've we've literally from like week one to now have grown like four or five hundred percent with the downloads. The numbers across social are through the roof, and your clip last week ah. of "fuck the Dodgers" has ah. officially. Gone viral. I mean, millions, millions of views on this thing, bro. I, uh, I was like, as soon as, as soon as I said, y'all can use that one. I was like, oh shit. And then, uh, dude, I must've got, I don't know, maybe 40 texts this, this week. And everybody's like, yeah, fuck the Dodgers. So, I mean, it was, it was, it was sort of, sort of funny. So, you know, you know, what's, you know, what's funny too, is that, if you and I, I don't give a shit about the comments and everything, whatever, but I will say this the way you said it was so genuine and so true because you're like, yo, they've been kicking our ass every fucking year. Enough's enough. Fuck the Dodgers. It's about time we go out there and make the moves that we need to make, bring in the right personnel that we need to bring in, and it's time for us. To return the favor and don't kick their ass. Well, and then not only that, I mean, you know, you know, I'm kind of speaking, I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of speaking for our fan base because, you know, in order to, you know, make it to the playoffs back in our era, you had to beat them. You had to beat them. You had to win the division in order to, you know, go forward. And so, you know, they beat us, we beat them and all that sort of stuff. But here lately, man, you know, it's been a stomping, and uh, that doesn't sit too well with me. And so we need to change the mentality. We need to change the approach. And so, you know, basically what you saw last week was from the heart as to I am tired of getting my ass kicked, and it's time to do something about it. So there you go. Thrill, well, real quick, we want to make sure we don't forget our title sponsor, Bet Online. It's the holiday season. It's off and rolling with the NFL in full stride, NBA, NHL hitting midseason form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. Up to the minute, wagering news, odds, trends, predictions. Bet Online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports, and not just the big four. Bet Online has Info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that's played, from MMA to international soccer to betting on whether or not two frogs are going to fuck. Bet online <laughs> is your destination to lay all of your action. 
And I've never heard it put as two frogs, but there you go, ladies and gentlemen. From oh, our man. title sponsor, as read to you by our esteemed host. See, that's so thrilled. Joe Giuseppe Pepe Manuele and I, actually, when we started No Filter Network, the first show that we made was called Two Frogs Fucking. And <laughs> the, the, the joke behind it was that it was going to be a gambling show and what we would bet on anything, including whether or not two frogs were going to fuck. And here we are, you know, tonight, not legally, of course, now these days, we have an action on the uh, Marshall Thundering Herd. I'm not sure what's going on in that game. Luker, keep us updated. We're live. We're interactive on nofilter.net. Chat is firing. Rodolfo, Gary, Linda, and Gary comes in with the first question here tonight, Thrill. And if you have a question, we will do some Q&A tonight. Fire away in the chat. It's the best thing right now. I realize the knocks. We said we would get to them. We will try to get to them later on. The issue with the knocks is that if we start letting on a bunch of people, it goes onto the pod. So if you guys aren't coming on with top mic quality, obviously video quality, it screws it up a little bit. But the first question is, does Joey Bart have any trade value or will he just be released? Huh? Well, I mean, you know, you got to look at it this way. He's he's a first round draft choice, so they're not going to just release him. Uh, you know, if if you go out and you wind up trading him or whatever you might do, you're going to get a compensated pick for that. So, uh, yeah, no, he's not going to be released. Um, you know, his big thing, I mean, he can catch, he can throw, just like, you know, Bailey, all that sort of stuff. He's got a hit. And, uh, you know, I hate to say it, I love Joey to death, but, you know, hitting 230, 240 ain't going to cut it, man. You got you to gotta drive in some runs, do some damage, something like that, especially, you know, coming with the pedigree that he had and uh, being, you know, six foot four or so. Yeah, sometimes it just takes change of scenery. Yeah. Yeah, you never know. I mean, you know, you, you get to a different organization and, you know, the, they put you in a better position and they like you better or whatever it might be and you you perform better. It's just kind of the way it is, you know. I mean, look, look at a perfect example. Um, you know, when I was with Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, I was having I was having a – a, a decent run of things, but nothing out the ordinary. All of a sudden, you know, I get traded over to St. Louis in the middle of a pennant race and freaking whammo, the old thrill comes back out. So, you know, it just, it's weird how that change of scenery does that for you, you know? So that is true. Okay. So we're actually approaching Hall of Fame time, the time of year where the writers vote for the various players. There's a entirely new list of guys that are on the hall of fame ballot for this year and there's a few leftovers that i think we're looking at and now it's getting down to the nitty-gritty of whether or not these guys are actually going to have a chance to get in at least from the writers first of all before we even get into that this is something that you dealt with and you were on the ballot the first year. You didn't receive, I think it was like 10% of the votes. Uh, yeah. And yeah, because you, you of that. Receive, you have to receive 5% to go on to the next ballot. And I'm, I think I had 4.8% or something like that. So I didn't even go on to the next ballot. But I have been on the Veterans Committee ballot like three or four times. So there you go. Well, and 
rumor had it you came really close when they chose Harold Baines. Uh, you know what? I mean, Harold Baines, Edgar Martinez, myself, we all got kind of the same stats if you break it down year by year. So, uh, you know, I'm right there in that class and, you know, Edgar and, and Harold are both DHs and I'm not. I was an everyday player. So, you know, it is what it is. So, all right. So I have an interesting case right here. In his final year on the ballot, Gary Sheffield actually has come out and given his own Hall of Fame case. Now, it says, according to baseball reference, former Major League Gary Sheffield has a higher war, 60.5, than baseball Hall of Famers, such as Vladimir Guerrero, Harmony Killebrew, David Ortiz, and Willie Stargell. Yet, Sheffield now enters his 10th and final chance to be voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame by the writers. Association of America is still awaiting his invitation. The writers must complete their ballots no later than December 31st. And the results will be announced on MLB Network January 23rd at 6 p.m. This past January, Sheffield 55 reached his highest share of votes ever, increasing from 40.6% in 2022 to 55%. That is far short, though, of the 75% needed for the induction thrill. I mean, one of the things that's keeping him out was his connection to the whole Balco thing. Yeah. And yeah. Ap- apparently, uh, you know, there was some cream given to him. He never tested positive for any drug test. We know there's already guys who have used performance enhancing drugs that are in the Hall of Fame. Uh, it's it, it's obvious whether or not people want to take their heads and bury it in the sand and pretend like it doesn't exist. It does and it did. So on that note, should Gary Sheffield be a hall of famer well i mean you know it, that goes that goes back to the old argument you and i had before on this case i mean you know you let big poppy in and he is an admitted user but he kissed ass with all of you know the press over there in boston and became this supposed love figure and they let him in the hall of fame but yet you got barry bonds who's the best that's played the game besides besides his uh you know godfather then you know you got a lot of other people, Mark McGuire, you know, you got Sheffield, you got Roger Clemens. I mean, guys like that should be in the Hall of Fame without a shadow of a doubt. Pete Rose, there's another one for you. You know, I mean, just little crap like that that I just can't, I can't get over. And it deals with the press. And that's right. I'm going to tell you guys that it deals with the press. If you suck up to them, you know, they're going to they're gonna move you forward. Look at Big Poppy. Uh, you know, he had, he had good stats. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, come on, look at Barry Bonds. He, he ain't a flea on his ass, you know? So anyway, uh, my two cents on that. It's interesting because this comes up every single year now. And yeah. And we're, and we're trying to, is because it is in that time frame of guys that used or guys that didn't use one or the other. It's there's so much gray area though, right? Because yeah. now now we got Sheffield, and it says here a little bit further down in the article, it says Sheffield told MLB.com recently he played by the rules, never tested positive for any illegal substances. He points out that his offensive numbers remain consistent from 03 to 05, while the Braves and the Yan- with the Braves and the Yankees during those three seasons, Sheffield averaged 
36 home runs and 125 RBI. So that's when they actually were testing uh, for steroids. But also says one possible reason. Let's see here. Sheffield's name came up in the authorities found by 2003 FedEx receipt from Sheffield to Balco in the home of Greg Anderson, a former trainer to Barry Bonds. In his autobiography, Sheffield said he took the cream given to him by Anderson to help heal a knee injury, but did not know whether it contained any illegal substances. Thrill, I will tell you this. I did not use performance-enhancing drugs. But right now, as a 47-year-old endurance athlete and pickleball player, if you gave me the fucking cream, I'd lather that shit all over my body, man. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have your first admitted uh, cream user for the greater uh, Tahoe area pickleball league. No, no, no. I haven't used it yet. But somebody, for a Christmas present, I want the cream. Send it my way. Right, there you go. Whatever that guy's name, Anderson, send send Burnsy some cream. God damn it. He'll lie that shit on. There you go. Hey, so, so, you know, I mean, there are arguments for kind of everybody. And, you know, I mean, Gary Sheffield, you know, for, for a a stretch there you know he was a really tough out and you know as as he alluded to you know with his stats i mean he was pretty consistent through there you look at roger clemens you know with the exception of you know the herder one or two years in boston i mean he was real you know consistent down through there and and that's the thing that you look at guys who should have some recognition in the hall of fame it's how consistent they were and you as a teammate, you as a fan, you as an organization knew what you would get every day when they ran out on the field. Is there one guy, if you, I mean, if you have Bonds, you got Clemens, yeah. and you got and you got Rose. Those are the three most obvious guys that have been left out of the Hall of Fame because of a morality clause. Would you think? that it would be appropriate at this point to remove that clause based on the fact that they're being left out apparently because they've done things that were illegal, that were not within the moral righteousness of what, say, the media would perceive to be fair play. Uh, you know, the, the Rose thing, that's a whole nother fucking issue because... Look, as long as you weren't betting against your team, I don't think it's great that you're betting on your team, but as long as you're not betting against your team, ah, geez, I don't know. I really don't have a problem with it. Now, all right, here's the hypocrisy behind that. All right, now, in baseball, during the game, you can freaking bet on the game. You can bet on players. You can do all that shit while the game's going on. That shows you the hypocrisy of Major League Baseball. And then they're going to keep Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame, which that record will never be broken, ever. You got to get 200 hits for 21 straight years, and you're still going to be short, all right? That is not going to be broken. So then you look at Clemens. I mean, come on, of our era. You want to talk about a dominant pitcher and and a guy that just – 
I mean, could just literally shut down the other team, there you go. And then you got Barry Bonds, steps in the batter's box. Everyone feared him. Everyone. He could do stuff with a baseball bat and out on the field, nobody else could do. So those three guys should be in the Hall of Fame without even any other consideration. Yeah, I just can't take the Hall of Fame serious until they put those guys in. Here's the thing. Now, check this out, all right? The, The Hall of Fame voting, all right, is voted on by over 400 sports reporters. A lot of them are ex sports reporters. There's only like legitimately active reporters that vote for the Hall of Fame. There's only a hundred and something of those guys. So mm-hmm. now you got over 200 of them that have no business being in the sport now, but yet because they used to be back in the day, now all of a sudden they get a vote. They shouldn't have a vote if they're not active. Sorry. There you go. There's another one to jam on the press for you. Is it time for the Hall of Fame to overhaul the process oh, by far. in which it takes? By far, without a shadow of a doubt. I'll tell you what you do, freaking do away with the sports writers. Give it to the freaking players. Let the players vote. They know who the hell they know who the hell the bad guys are, and they also know who the hell is the, the top of the freaking meat. I couldn't agree more. So that's that's exactly you know, it. No, no better guys than, than contemporary players, guys who played in that era. So if all of a sudden there's an era for say from 2000 to 2010, you're gonna you should be going to all the players that had service time in those years and ask them if you had service time in each one of those years from 20 right. 2000 2010, and there's a player within that era that's on the ballot for the Hall of Fame. Those are the fucking guys you should be voting vote for them. Boom. There you go. I love it. That's that's very well said. You know, they, they come up with these idiotic stats all the time, all right? And it has nothing to do with, like, you know, the game. I mean, some, some of this bullshit, you just you, – you can't even figure out how to ca- calculate war. You can't even figure it out. I mean, it's so so complex, all right? But – Here's one a good buddy of mine sent me, and I got to read this one to you. Steven Luker, you're probably going to like this one. It's called Win Probability Added. Mm -hmm. WPA is a modern-day stat that measures how much of an impact each player has on the outcome of a game. So that means whether you win or lose. Will Clark is 56 all-time ahead of current Hall of Famers. Rod Carew, Vladimir Guerrero, Edgar Martinez, Dave Winfield, Mike Piazza, Yogi Berra, etc. So, you know, if you want to look at how the outcome of game is affected by one person, well, then there you go right there. If you want to win, boom, you probably want me or, you know, probably Pete Rose, probably Roger Clemens, probably Barry Bonds on your team. So there you go. Well, that's why we played the game. We played to win. Every time Whoa. I took the field, I know that's what I was striving for. I was going to do whatever I could do in my power, offensively, defensively, on the bases to help my team win. So the wins probability added stat is the real fucking deal, man. And so here you are at 56 all time in WPA, yet we can't get any love for the fucking Hall of Fame? Come on, yeah, man. Yeah. And, and you know what, you know what, I mean, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying that to, to get myself in there. No, I'm just saying that 
you know, what these people are being judged by nowadays, I swear to God, I have no earthly idea what these sports writers are looking at. I have no idea. Speaking of which, you and I were kind of talking about it before we went on air, but you know, you you even mentioned Gary Sheffield and how he's come up a few points and all that sort of stuff. You know, he, I'm hoping he, you know, he makes it, but who knows? But, you know, one thing for sure is Adrian Beltre is going to be in it without a shadow of a yeah. He's got, he's got, you know, 3,000 hits. He's got 400 and something homers. Uh, I think he's 1,700 RBIs. So th- that's a walkthrough. He, sh- he should be, you know, across the board. If he's not, you know, across the board, that's another case to get some of these freaking sports writer meatheads out of there. Um, one of the guys who's real interesting that you and I just talked about, you mentioned him, is Chase Utley. Yep. So I want to hear your argument for Chase Utley. So here we go. Well, my initial argument before going through all the statistics is that I played with and against Chase Utley. There was a point in college where the two of us would load up our backpacks with natty lights after practice and go play the VA facility golf course. And I took him under my wing. This is somebody that plays the game like a fucking savage. There are a few who went about their business like Chase did. He was a silent assassin. Look out for him every single time he was on the field. He would do whatever it took to win. Through the course of his career, and you watch him with the Phillies in the postseason, look at those numbers. Look at the way he performed. The one what World Series that he had, I think it was like five homers. And the fact that he was consistently, every year, putting up very, very good numbers. And the position he played, he was the best of the best, in my opinion, at second base for a long time. He is a fucking Hall of Famer. I don't even have to look at one number, not one. And that would be my original argument. Now, then I can delve into the numbers and start comparing, contrasting, whatever. I'm guessing the numbers are fringy. But all you have to do is play against them and and everything else was not. Correct. And this is is where you and I, and it's at WPA we just read, all right? Chase Utley would rank real high in that right there because of what he did on the field to win a baseball game. And, you know, if you look at his stats, I mean, 16 years, uh, 259 homers, 1,025 RBIs, and hit 275. But he was a six-time All-Star. He was in the MVP voting uh, one, two, three, four, five times. He was in the MVP voting. So, you know, from from my standpoint and from your standpoint is what else does he bring to the table? He is the ultimate team leader. He's the ultimate gamer that leads by example. Uh, he goes out on the field, conducts his business like a pro, and gets Ws. That's, I mean, that right there for me sheds light on the Hall of Fame. All the guys that just put up numbers and and – they could care less whether they win or lose. They're always going to, you know, they're always going to hit, you know, and, and they're going to put up numbers, but their teams lose. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not falling for that guy. So two things about Chase. We were having a team meeting 
And they showed a clip of him at second base. And basically, he would get the ball and then drop his knee and block the bag. And that was sort of his M.O. And so I ran into him the night before. And we were having a couple adult beverages at an adult establishment. And I told him, I said, Chase, you know I love you, bro. You're like a little brother to me. I'll never forget the days of us slugging natty lights on the veterans golf course after practice at UCLA. If you drop a knee on me at second base, I'm going to take my cleat and I'm going to stick it in your fucking throat. (laughs) And he gave me this look that was just savage. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like I dare you. And he just, I mean, he's again, like great, great guy. Great guy, no, but he I would do, and he didn't give a shit if it's me or somebody else. He would do whatever it took to win at any moment against anybody at any time. See, and then that's the thing. That's the thing. Chase also was a very smart player. He knew guys like you that were going to go in head first. Guy like a Ricky Henderson. Guy like you know whoever is your big base dealer that's going to go in head first. He's going to drop a knee on you. He's not going to drop a knee on me because I'm coming in spikes first because I'm going to take him out. If he drops a knee on me, I'm going to open him up with about 10 stitches across his thigh. So he's not going to do that to me. But guys like you, yeah, he's going to drop a knee on you. And that's why I told him because of that, because I knew that those were the guys he was doing it to. And so then the other thing thrill in the same meeting, Kurt Gibson goes, oh, yeah. And look out for this. Catchers beware. And they showed Chase Sutley striking out, which he did a really good job of putting barrels of bats on ball, so it didn't happen too often. But he strikes out, and he's running down the first baseline. And he hears the catcher go inside. He veers off the inside. He jumps up in the air and tries to time it and literally headbutts the ball or at least tries to headbutt the ball. And re- I don't remember if it actually happened or whatever it was, but that's the type of teammate that I fucking want. Here's a guy that could feel sorry for himself, go back to the dugout, make no attempt to run to first base. Not only is he running to first base, but he's running to first base and then jumping up in the fucking air trying to headbutt the goddamn baseball, dude. That's a whole favor. I love it. Thanks. That's a Hall of Famer. There's our argument right there. There's our argument. So. Oh, shit. All right, so, all right, we covered we covered Beltray. He's in. We covered Sheffield. We covered Utley. Who are the other uh, candidates this year? All right, so I'm going to go down a list here for the first time, guys. And let's see if anyone, you know, I'd say floats your boat that we could get into. Jose Bautista, Bartolo Colon, Adrian Gonzalez. Matt Holiday, Victor Martinez, Joe Maurer, Brandon Phillips, Jose Reyes, James Shields, and David Wright. I the, the first guy that I'm going to bring up, and I'll get your opinion on, that jumps off the page a little bit, I have a feeling that it's going to be real close, is uh, Joe Maurer. Because, I was just going to say, uh, out of those names that you just told me right there, I think the other, the other guy that's going to be close is Maurer. Uh, let me see. Let me see his uh, stats here. Um, you know, I know he, he played a pretty good, pretty good career. And uh, 
you know, I don't know anything about him other than that. So, by the way, I mean, look, the guy was born in the Minnesota area, just Mr. Twin, really. I mean, just, you know, gave his entire life to that Twins organization. Uh, Maurer was somebody that just a poster child. I mean, he was the guy that was the high school quarterback and he was supposed to go, I don't know, it was Michigan or wherever else it was, but one of these big time schools and the first round draft pick, the golden boy. And he went on to have a very nice career, like very nice. 2004 to 2018. So so here's another one for you. You know I mean? And this goes back to our argument about Utley. Um, You know, Maurer played 15 years, uh, you know, 143 homers, 923 RBIs, career batting average of 305. But, I mean, you know, I mean, other than that, oh, he was the MVP. He was MVP in 2009. 2,000 hits, so thrill. He's got 2,000 hits. He was a catcher. A 124 OPS plus, meaning that he was 24% better than league average. He had an 827 OPS in total. One, two, three, four, five, six-time All-Star. The exact same as Chase Utley. And he's got he's got one MVP award. I I I would have to say yes on him, man. You know, I mean, it's another one. That's another one right there. I, uh, I would imagine. The you know he's probably a really good dude. The sports writers will vote on him, but I think he's going to come up a little short on his first try in. Yeah, I think Utley's going to come up short too on the first try. The yeah. question is, how yeah. close are these guys going to get? Okay, here's some of the returnees, right? The top returnees that are on the ballot once again. Todd Helton on top of the list. Oh God, set- how can he not be in there? Seventy-two percent. Uh, he's his sixth year on the ballot. He is 3% shy. I got to believe this is a year that Todd Helton becomes a Hall of Famer. Agreed. Billy Wagner, one of the greatest closers in the history of baseball, sits here at 68% in his ninth year. Uh, once again, I got to believe he's going to get in, uh, if not this year, for sure next year. Uh, and then the next one, before Sheffield is a guy that, in my opinion, should have been in the Hall of Fame already. Andrew Jones, 58% in his seventh year. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, Andrew Jones is a part of those uh, Braves teams that were, that were winning their fannies off. So, you know, but, I mean, good Lord. You know, I mean, Todd Helton. 369 homers, 1,400 RBIs, 316 batting average, uh, a 414 on base percentage, oh, which shit. is freaking monumental. Um, All-star, you know, he was in the MVP running damn near every year. I mean, just a stud at first base. In the face of the Colorado Rockies organization, never left the organization. You know, played 17 years, all with one organization. So I think you ought to make it. Uh, let's go to our man, uh, Billy Wagner. Let's see what Billy, Billy's got featured for us. Hey, so real quick, I think it's only appropriate we give a quick little nugget about these guys. Todd Helton, when I was with the Rockies for two weeks, 
I was on a couple plane flights with him. And the Rockies had a super young team. So he asked me to come sit in the back of the plane. He's like, Fernsey, come, come chill, man. And so I go back there. Or I went back there on these flights. I think it was two of them. And he then pulled out like, it almost looked like a, like a coffin box. And then, you know, opened it up and then pulls out two glasses. And I don't know what kind of wine, like just some ridiculous wine. And then just a little pour here and a little pour here. And I sat in the back of the plane and had a glass of red wine with Todd Helton. I felt like I fucking made it. That was it, man. That's what I knew. I was a big leader. That was pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And then, you know, I know Todd pretty well, uh, you know, being first baseman and all that sort of stuff. Uh, super nice guy, outdoorsman, love him to death. And uh, yeah, he should, if he, if he doesn't get those, that 3%, like you're talking about, it'd be a freaking travesty and it'd be another freaking strike for the freaking media meatheads. So, um, you know, Billy Wagner, let's go here. 16 okay. years. Uh, 47 and 40, he had uh, 422 saves, and he finished 703 games. Um, pretty freaking dominant. Um, you know, 900 innings pitched and almost 1,200 strikeouts. So well more than, you know, an inning pitch per strikeout. So uh, unbelievable. I think, you know, I think he's another one that, he ought to get the percentage points and get in there. What about Andrew Jones? Andrew Jones, I'm on the fence. Uh, what do you think? You 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 talk to me about him right now. I just thought he was one of the best to ever do it. And if you look at his eight-year peak, it's through the roof. There was some fall-off with Andrew Jones towards the end of his career. But for the most part, this guy was defensively the best center fielder who's ever lived. And if you take those metrics and you back it up with some of the monster offensive years that he had and the fact that he came up when he was 19 years old, immediately impacted the Braves and their success in the postseason, helped them win a World Series. Fuck, man. Andrew Jones is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, you know, I mean, he had, he had you know, some really good years. Matter of fact, 05 was his best year where um, – he uh he had 51 homers, 128 RBIs. Jeez. He never really kind of turned it on as far as the batting average goes. Uh, big time swing and miss guy. Uh, matter of fact, he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. He had eleven years of over a hundred strikeouts. Um, he's a career 254 hitter. Um, even though, you know, but. You know, he played, he played in that shit. He played about the same time I did about 2,100 games, uh, 400 homers, 434 homers, 1,200 RBIs. So he and I got the same kind of RBIs, but you know, batting average is down, uh, you know, but you know, the feather in the cap for him is he was a member of all of those Braves teams that all went to the playoffs every year. And then they wound up winning one World Series. That means something, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta take that into consideration. But you know, I mean, 
it's like, why are your homers kind of lopsided? And, you know, why is your batting average down? Why are your strikeouts up? You know, it was more of a, he was more of a swing and miss guy. Uh, another thing too, you know, I always, I always viewed Andrew not only as a really good center fielder. I mean, you know, Gold Glover, you know, damn near every year, but you would think that he would have run more. He only had one, two, three, four. He only had four years with 20 stolen bases. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Put it this way. Between Wagner and Helton and Adrian Beltre and even Utley, for that matter, I'm pushing Andrew down. Okay. What about <clears throat> Carlos Beltran? Carlos Beltron. Whoa. Take a look at him. I mean, this is going to be right, an interesting case. Let's, let's look at Carlos. Because I know he had a, a lot of steals. He had success in the postseason. He has some bulk numbers. I mean, 2,725 hits. He's got a 70 career war. So I'm going to compare that to Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones was like mid-60s. Um, 279 average. 837 OPS, OPS plus 119. He was uh, said to be the ringleader in the Astros trash can scandal. So I don't know if that's going to hurt him or not, but uh, where that fits in on the morality clause, I guess we would have to ask each individual reporter. Yeah, I know. But, you know, you know, he's, he's another guy. I mean, you know, 430 homers, 1500 RBIs. I mean, you can't like, shy away from that that's like that's a hall of famer bro right three three hundred twelve stolen bases 312 yeah, stolen no, bases yeah, 435 no. homers you're a fucking hall of famer period yeah no and and you got you got 300 plus stolen bases only like 49 caught stealing so yeah i mean stud dude i mean stud um you know he's he's another one you know, and, and that's that's the beauty of the Hall of Fame. You got these guys that you can argue yay, nay, and all that sort of stuff, but you can't argue yay, nay when your ass sits, you know, 100 yards from the field up in some press box and you have no idea how freaking hard this game is. And so to put up these numbers like a Beltron put up is freaking awesome. Yeah, he even looks better on paper. Than he did in person, and he was good yeah. in person. He was very impressive, but his his overall bulk numbers are absolutely ridiculous. Three fifty so, on base so percentage, four eighty six slugging. All right, yeah. So here's another thing. I mean, you look at his numbers, and you're talking about bulk numbers. You look at his numbers, and he's much better than Andrew Jones. I mean, so you got to get the nod to Carlos over Andrew. Yeah. Okay. The next. Let's see here. Yeah, and he's right behind him. I mean, Carlos Beltran's at 46.5% from last year. Andrew Jones is 58.1. Andrew Jones is in his seventh year, though, and Carlos Beltran is only in his second year. It looks like he'll be a Hall of Famer for sure. The next two guys. The only problem is, the only problem is if they hold that freaking cheating scandal over his head. They could? If they hold that over his head, then he might be held down. You never know. Well, speaking of holding shit over their heads, the next two guys on the list, Alex Rodriguez and Manny Ramirez. What do we do with them? Oh, my God. I mean, obviously, they had Hall of Fame numbers, both of them. And A-Rod had one of the greatest careers in the history of Major League Baseball. But here we are. I mean, we're obviously in the 
Bonds Clemens category when it comes to both these guys. What do we do? Yeah, I mean, it, they, they fall into the Bonds Clemens category. It's exactly right. I mean, two of the best ever, ever. You know, I mean, look at A Rod. I mean, he's he's what is he is he third or fourth on the home run list? What is he? Dude, I think he's third because it right, well, yeah, because yeah. he's a he's above Willie Mays, right? Or am I wrong on that? Because Bonds and, and Ruth are above him, but A Rod was right at seven hundred. Willie yeah. Mays was about six ninety something. Yeah, so so Luker's checking for that, but then on the flip side of the coin, you have Manny Ramirez, who arguably was one of the best RBI guys of our era, and look at. Look at Manny Ramirez's Grand Slams. I mean, he's got something stupid like 22, 23, 25, something like that Grand Slam. So, you know, I mean, Manny Ramirez was an RBI machine. I'd take him on my – I'd take him on my team, even though he did some stupid stuff in the outfield. I'd take him on my team because <laughs> I got it. I got one for you. Manny got down to first base. And you remember the, you remember the one where he just like – I don't know if you all remember this. He like turned around and winged it and and then or or somebody else winged it from the outfield and then Manny went and cut it off or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I got him at first base and I go, Manny, what the hell were you doing? This was like a week later or whatever, right? <laughs> he comes up and he goes, Trill, he goes, You gotta drive in more than you let in. <laughs> I'm like, that's so that's so Manny. That's so Manny. He had all right. So here we go. Luca jumped on it. Bond 762. Aaron 755. Ruth 714. Pujol 703. And then A Rod at 696. Maze at 660. Okay. So he's one, two, three, four, five, six. Statistically speaking, Alex Rodriguez is a top five position player to ever play the game of baseball ever. I agree. And, I and agree. it's not like, it's not even, it's not even really close. Like yeah. he, he has all of the credentials, but he also comes with baggage and a lot of baggage, speculation, lies, all sorts of whatever you want to call it. Um, but he's been tied to performance enhancing drugs. The other thing that's kind of interesting here, though, is when I talk to people about A-Rod, he's so polarizing. But to his defense, if you ask Michael Young, who A-Rod took under his wing and is a great guy, A-Rod was a great teammate. He was the guy that all he wanted to do was fucking win. And so in order to win, he knew it was going to take way more than himself. And I'm sure he had his moments and I'm sure he had his reasoning, whether it was selfishly motivated or not. But I have heard that he was somebody that would share that knowledge where if he picked something up on a pitcher, he was going to let you know. He was calling signs from second base. He would call pitches from, uh, from, not from second base, but from shortstop. Did it all the time. We once picked A-Rod's signs as he was relaying them 
to the catcher who was relaying them to the pitcher. So I told you I never wanted the signs, but I am positive of this. We would go get the signs to figure out what pitch is coming from A-Rod because he wanted to have his hand and fucking everything and yeah. be that dude. And look, part of me, I was said kind of like, I, I can't blame him. The guy, the guy wanted to win and he did everything at all costs to do it, including PEDs. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. And you know, he, he's got that cloud hanging over his head. So that's how they roll. But, um, are we done with the Hall of Fame stuff? Let's move on. To Not, yeah. Couple, a couple others I want to get your opinion on, though. How about Omar Vizquel? Just, wait, what do you do with that, right? One of the best gloves of all time. Yeah, no, I mean. But the you, offensive you got, numbers aren't there. You got to exactly look at Omar like you look at Ozzy Smith. I mean, yep. you know, go glove, go glove, go glove, go glove, average hitter. And, you know, what do you do? You know, they let Ozzy in. So what do you do with Omar? Yeah, you look at the numbers, 336 on base percentage, 688 OPS. OPS plus was 82. But this guy has a war, and this is how good his defense was, a war of 45.6 just based on his glove alone. He was a guy that I'd watch play, man, and he just looked like a fucking magician. Like, he would do yeah. shit with, like, almost like Savannah Banana stuff where it, yeah, it just no, doesn't yeah. look real. Yeah. And, but he'd do that on a major league field. Yeah, and he, you know, I mean, he was over there with the Giants, you know, and he was he was doing the stuff, you know, the bare hand into the balls and all that when he didn't have to do it. And, you know, he'd come into the clubhouse, and I'm like, Omar, I said, why did you bare hand that ball? You had him by 20 steps. Why didn't you catch it with your glove? He goes, I, thrilled, I was working on some stuff. And, you know, I mean, he'd say stuff like that. So, whatever. But All right, all right a couple. A couple others, and then we'll just move on. You have Andy Pettit, Bobby Abreu, Jimmy Rollins, Mark Burley, Francisco Rodriguez. So that's K Rod. I thought oh, yeah, he was K Rod was fucking legit. Man. On saves there for a while. Oh, he was, dude. If you look at my numbers against K Rod, I have worse numbers against him than anybody else. I want to say like 0 for 8 with seven, seven strikeouts. I, I just, I could not hit that dude. He was. Fucking filthy. Four-seam riding fastball. The hook was completely unhittable for me. Uh, then the last guy on the list, who was at 6.9%, and a guy that I admired and looked up to, and I chased a lot of his numbers, um, you know, I, I think for, for a minute there. Like, I remember using him as a comp, and I, I tried to tell the A's I was Torrey Hunter. They're like, nah, man, you're Jay Payton. I'm like, fuck off. I'm Torrey Hunter. And so <laughs> there was uh he got 6.9% of the vote in his fourth year. Just uh I, I really like Tory the all the times that I've had a chance to be around him. Yeah. At, at a time, he was the best center fielder in the game of baseball. Yeah, but no, I just he, don't think he, he has a longevity. Yeah, no, he was he was a stud. He was a stud, definitely. So all right, man. Well, you know, moving on, but what uh what else you want to get into? So, uh, you know, needless to say, uh, there was the, the big signing with the Giants. Uh, you know, was was our man, uh, Mr. Jung-Hoo Lee. Uh, mm -hmm. But here lately, 
the Giants added a few guys. Tom Murphy uh, signed a two-year, $8 million deal uh, to basically back up Patrick Bailey. So this goes back to, I think it was Gary's talk about, uh, you know, Joey Bart earlier. With this signing of Murphy, it kind of makes Bart kind of expendable. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. And then um, today, as a matter of fact, the Giants signed uh, outfield T.J. Hopkins from the Reds uh, for a player to be named later or cash considerations. Hopkins is 26, and he hit 171 with one home run in 25 games in his rookie season. Spent most of the year at AAA, where he hit 308, 16 homers, 93 games. So corner outfielder, looks like a little help in the outfield was picked up right there. Okay, I mean, a couple of signings that obviously not doing yeah, it's, it's too more, much there, other than know, the then, Joey Bart they thing. Picked up, they picked up a right-handed pitcher off waivers from Oakland, um, who was in AA and AAA, you know, so... You know, it seems like it seems like they're picking up a few extra pieces to not only be backups, but also to shore up the minor leagues. All right, real quick, we're also sponsored by Verge. My guy Jory over at Verge, reach out to him, tryverge.com. I just had a shot of this thrill. I could not go without go on without mentioning the fact that it's ginger, it's lemon, and it's cannabis. That's right. There's fucking weed in this thing, man. Get that you that sustained you. high. That that's so you. Ladies and gentlemen, our host is now high as we proceed forward. Yes, sir. I mean, isn't that the whole point of life? It's just living <laughs> on one big high. <laughs> All right. We got another sponsor. Good Lord. We're reeling them in, baby. Reeling them in. Yes, hey, we God, are. Hey, question. So the Giants have been linked to Yamamoto, the yeah. Japanese superstar, 25-year-old right-hander, the benefit of giving him a big contract is the fact that he is young, only 25. Uh, he is one of the filthiest pitchers in the world. He still hasn't pitched a game in the big leagues. And then on the other side is a guy by the name of Blake Snell. He's a Cy Young Award winner. Oh, my God. I love him. Legit, dude. He's well, fucking – he's the man. It, he, just got through, he just got through pitching for Bob Melvin. Bob Melvin loves him like the back of his hand. And pitching well for Bob Melvin. Yes, he did. Matter of fact, he pitched so well, he was the uh, Cy Young winner this year. I'm going after Snell before I'm going after Yamamoto. You know what? Yamamoto is going to cost you, you know, people are saying $300 million. It's going to go over $300 because he's got both New York teams after him. That's yep. first off. But then second off, we just got through spending $113 million on Lee. So, I mean... There ain't no, I mean, uh, I can't say there ain't no way, but I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to have to go up above 300 to get Yamamoto and then you tack on 113 for two players. One's a position, one's a pitcher. I, I don't know if, I don't know if we got that deep of pockets. Snell's the perfect guy to go after. And the reason being is that he just won the Cy Young Award pitching in the NL West. He's obviously very comfortable there. He just won the Cy Young Award pitching for Bob Melvin. San Francisco is still known as a pitcher-friendly ballpark. This is the motherfucker we want to go after, dude. 
I totally agree. I totally agree. You put him in uh, Oracle, AT&T, whatever you want to call it now, and, you know, he's he's going to be as good, if not better, than his numbers from last year. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then the big thing is, you know, you and, and you know, I'm just telling you right now, because Matt Williams knows better than anybody, he's coming in, and it's going to be defense, defense, defense. A guy like Blake Snell is going to benefit from us being vastly improved in defense. That's the truth, man. All right. What, um, anything else on the horizon? You said you're going out to San Francisco after the new year for a camp out there. What's going, what's happening? So I'm going to Arizona. I'll be in Arizona. Okay. On Arizona. January 15th. We got a mini camp with, uh, all of our, I guess you want to call it top prospects. So probably going to be about 45 guys there, maybe somewhere up in that vicinity. Plus probably some of our major leaguers who are rehabbing. I would imagine uh, Austin Slater is going to be down there, you know, coming off of his, his surgery and uh, one other one I, I was, I was told. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to getting down there. I, I had talked to Bob Melvin and I know that he was trying to get down that way. Uh, but I, there's a bunch of our younger minor leaguers that I did not see last year. I saw Eugene and I saw, which is high A ball, and I saw Richmond, which is double A. I did not see San Jose, and we had quite a few younger players coming out of there that were doing really well. So I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be there checking them out. Tara came on here. She says she has a question. Far away there, Tara Burns. Oh, and by the way, she's got a little, she's got a little drinky poo with uh, with some ginger in it as well too. So she wanted me to let you know that. Huh? What what is she talking about when she says, "Who are you guys sending to the breakout game? What's the breakout game?" Are you talking about the 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 game that's in Birmingham? I have no idea, dude. Okay, so I'll be at that one too. So. June twentieth is a, a a game at Brickford Field in Birmingham, Alabama. It's the oldest. Oh, field. Rickwood, Rickwood! I, I dude, yeah. I've been there. I played there with the Bananas. Yeah, exactly. It's the oldest professional field in the United States, and the Giants are playing the the Cardinals there. They're redoing the whole field. They're redoing the lights, their stands, the playing surface, everything. It's getting a major league makeover and the Giants and Cardinals are going to play a game there to like celebrate the history of Rickard Field. Okay. Are you going to go to that one? I am. I will be there. It's only, believe it or not, it's only an hour away, hour and a half away from the ranch. So I'll probably wind up going, um, put it this way. If they don't let me in a dugout, something's freaking wrong with these morons. So hopefully I'll be in the dugout. I know, I know I'll probably have Trey with me as well, so we'll see. You'll be in the dugout of the Savannah Bananas game. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. And here comes. I will be, I will be in the Savannah Bananas game uh, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Oh, and by the way, I think I told you this. March 14th, 15th, 16th is when they're going to be there. March 13th is my birthday, so it's right after the birthday. So I will be Savannah Banana in it. I absolutely love it, dude. I'm going to do everything I can to get out there. If not, Adam Virant, Viro, hey, who's a Bananas hey, coach, will take good care if of me. I will handle it from 
the thrills in. Yeah, be, you're dude, exactly. I, you're, you're doing just I want to I'll dude, I want the red carpet rolled out, but I want you to be in the trenches with the boys. They're gonna love you, man. They oh, they're, we, can they're, have, so, we can have fun. We'll be we'll be having a good time. So such good such good guys. Awesome, All right, so, awesome, awesome. So whatever Tara, Tara's question was, Luker freaking brought it on there. So hey, what up? What you got? Okay, I was talking about the breakout game, which is a, it's an inaugural series that MLB introduced, and it's the top prospects. So every team is supposed to send their top prospects, and it's a three or four day series <coughs> during spring training. <laughs> so who are the Giants going to send? Like who's on the top end of that list? Like you know, they're doing all the media stuffs coming out. They've got Holiday posted all over all the media stuff. The little Holiday. Okay. Thing. Let me ask you this: When they when they do it, when do they normally do it in spring training? Do it's, they do it early, late, or what? It's brand new and it's right smack in the middle. So it's going to be the that weekend that you're with Savannah is the breakout series for MLB. They're doing one in the cactus and one in the grapefruit. You have an LTP tournament that weekend, and the girls have a, a ski race. All right. So if it's if it's that weekend, that's kind of Believe it or not, it's kind of at the end of major league spring yeah. training, which would be right in the middle of the minor league spring training. And normally when they have, you know, these kind of things, they'll they'll grab a few selected players and say, you, you, and you, you gone. And it's just to kind of represent the organization. Um, I will ask about that in January and when I'm at minicamp to see if they have, you know, anybody that they're leaning towards. And uh, I'll have an answer for you in January. Sweet, can't wait. They're brightest stars, I'm guessing. Yep. Is that well, I, that's something new. I'm glad. I'm glad you brought it up, Tara. Because and Luke, thanks for doing the, the the deal on it. But I didn't know anything about it, so this is something new to me. All my Instagram feed is is horses and baseball, whether it's travel ball for 12U kids or big leagues or whatever, and then the occasional you. recipe. So I got you. I got you. I got you. What's hey. what's on television tonight? Oh, just chicken noodle soup. I'm trying to conjure some snow by making it feel like it's cold outside because we just got go. three days there of rain. Go. We're conjuring. That's what we're doing. Hey, thrill. A new bucket of hat. Do me a can you do me a favor? So I know you've told this story before, but it's one of my favorites of all time. When Jennifer Montana parked behind you oh my god at a niners game a preseason niners game yeah. when you guys i believe were still in season with the giants yeah yeah so what happened had back, we had come back from a road trip and we had an off day and i didn't know anything about it and i was i was kind of a little banged up and so uh the trainer had said hey you need to come in and and get a little work done so i was like all right so I showed up and, you know, I'm early as always. Well, I didn't know it, but it was a 49ers uh, spring game. And they were actually playing the Chargers, believe it or not. And we didn't have assigned parking spots. You just freaking pulled in and parked, you know. And so, you know, there's all these cars in the parking lot. And I, I find the first spot. Ooh, I whip it in, you know. So go out there. I get my treatment. Uh, and then the, the guys, you know. Dwight Clark and, and Joe and those guys, they're like, hey, why don't you stay, you know, and, and watch the game? So, you know, I stayed for damn near three and a half quarters. You know, I was on the sidelines, which was amazing. 
watching those guys is a different world out there. And uh, I'll leave a few minutes early. I'm going to beat the, you know, the crowd getting out of there, all that sort of stuff. And there's a, I think it's a Jaguar. So I'm parked right here and she's like vertically to me and I can't, I can't get out. And so I go to a security guard that's right there in the parking lot, Candlestick. And, you know, I mean, we know them all. And I go, hey, uh, you know, somebody's parked right behind me. Can we, can we move it? And he goes, oh, no. And I go, what? He goes, that's uh, Mrs. Montana. And I go, Jennifer? He goes, yeah. I go, well, maybe is there a way that, you know, we can find Jennifer? Well, you're going to have to wait till she comes down after the game. And blah, 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 blah. So anyway, so uh, Jennifer shows up after the game. And I said, hey, Jennifer, Will Clark, how you doing? How's everything? You know, I said, I hate to say it. I said, but you kind of parked behind me. And, and I need to get out and, and leave. She goes, well, you took my spot. And I go, excuse me? Well, that's my spot during the football games. I go, lady, this is freaking baseball season. Y'all are in spring training. I said, move your damn car. And she's she just like turned around and walked off, right? So I'm like, oh, this bitch. So, so I, go, I go into the clubhouse. And I mean, I don't even make it in the door. And there's Dwight Clark. And I tell Dwight the story. Dwight's like, I got this. And all of a sudden, he comes out, and he's got these three, I mean, freaking monsters. And they proceeded to pick up the front of our car and move it. Then they picked up the back of our car, and they moved it. Then they picked up the front of our car and moved it. Then they picked up the back of their car and moved it. And they moved it all the way up against the wall at Candlestick so she couldn't get in the driver's door. And the whole time, her car's going beep, beep, beep. And I got in the car, pulled away, thanked Dwight and the guys, gave him a big high five and a big hug. See ya! See ya, Jennifer! Oh, dude, I love it. <laughs> Needless I, to I say, Jennifer don't it. talk to me too much now. Nah. <laughs> hey, so so Brock Purdy has been getting compared a lot now to Joe Montana. How much have you been able to see of Brock Purdy, and what have you noticed? You know, the one thing that I've noticed is uh, a lot very similar to not only Joe, but also Steve Young. He he does a real good job of leading the game, following the game plan, and not turning the ball over. And it's kind of, I mean, if, when you watch the 49ers, it's real methodical. I mean, it's like boom, 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 boom. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have some big plays in there, here and there. But for the majority of the time, I mean, it's real methodical following the game plan, not turning the ball over, and then their defense is doing a hell of a job. What was that like being in San Francisco the whole time during that night? Oh, wow. You know, that was that was amazing. I mean, because, you know, it was like a, it was like a, you know, a brother situation. I mean, you know, especially with Dwight Clark and I, I mean, we were, we were good friends and, and, uh, you know, then Joe and Steve and Jerry Rice and Roger Craig, Harris Barton, all of those guys would come out to the ballpark, you know, be in the dugout and come on the field, take that practice. I mean, so it was it was a big brother love situation. And you pulled for them as much as they pulled for you because you knew that when they packed the house, it was going to flow over into you. Everybody wants to come see the 49ers doing real well. Then they want to see the Giants doing real well. So it was great. So thrilled. My dad took me to the Super Bowl in New Orleans in 1990. It was after oh, the 1989 season. One. Bro, it was the first time I ever met you. And obviously, you're not going to remember this, but you were cruising down 
Bourbon Street. And there you were. You had like an entourage of about six, seven dudes you were rolling with. And Barbara Barnum, who had like a single season ticket behind home plate at Candlestick, was there. She kept, went with my family to the Super Bowl. And she's like, come here. And she like drags me over. She's like, you got to meet Thrill. And she went up to you like you guys were long lost best friends. And she's like, Thrill, meet Eric. He's going to be a big leaguer one day. You're like, right on, kid. And like, put your arm around me. And I went, I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. And you know why? Because right after that, I went and had my first hurricane. I was 13 years old. Oh, look at you. Go get wasted on Bourbon Street. Look at Fuck you. yeah, man. All right. All right. So, so, you know, I told you, I told you the guys used to come on the field and all that sort of stuff. So you've seen that picture, but there it is right there. It's so good. That's uh, Dwight Clark on this side over here on that side me in the center and then joe the man montana let me get this in there better you come on it. camera well freeze anyway there we go but but that's that's on the field that was on the field at candlestick you know and you know you know we'd even i'd even tease i'd even tease joe and those guys i was like hey dude can you do me a favor and tell the lineman to take it a little easier on the freaking 20 yard line I said they they just mauling the, the freaking first base first base infield over there. I'm taking freaking one hop grounders off my face because these guys looks like the planet of the moon out there after they get through playing. Hey, thrill. Uh last question here and then let you go. Now I gotta play seven degrees of separation. But go ahead. Okay. They showed a clip the other night during the Niners game. And Al Michaels was actually on the call and it was a picture of candlestick park and they showed it. That was then this is now. And you see this big empty space there. What do you think when you see that? You know what? You know, I even, I even did an interview this morning about a guy, a guy called me up one and he was doing a book about candlestick and, uh, I told him, I, you know, because he's, you know, he's talking about, you know, candlestick in the final days and all that sort of stuff. The one thing that I told him that I thought should have happened was I thought that they should have imploded the thing. You know, it's like, all right, look, we did what we needed to do. Boom. And we're done. Instead, they took it down piece by piece. And it was like they just kept ripping these little pieces out of your heart, you know. And the last thing that was standing was that gate A escalator. That thing, that thing stood up there for six months. Every time I drove by it, I was like, oh, my God, will you take the damn escalator down? And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, I get it. You know, they needed, you know, to move on, and they were down in Santa Clara, and we were up yonder. But I wish they'd have imploded the thing instead of taking forever just to ta- dismantle it. San Diego did. We imploded Jack Murphy. We have seats to Candlestick and to Jack Murphy in our front yard. So oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. We met at Jack Murphy, dude. Yep. Uh, you, you told me that. You told me that. That's awesome. But, um, yeah, one of, the, one of the guys in the chat room, Josh Tarot, he, he gave me a set of seats. Plus, the Giants gave me not one, but they gave me two sets of seats. Nice. So, I got, I got Josh's here at the house, and then the two that the Giants gave me are at the ranch. I got to say so. the Giants handled it really well because we we bought two sets of seats. We have one here and then we have one down by the beach. 
and they shipped them to you. You get this huge box, you get the certificate, the whole deal. So San Diego state owned the rights to Jack Murphy by the time it was imploded. And it was like, Hey, drive your truck through the lineup with your little ticket and we'll throw them in the back for you. Oh my God. <laughs> Took us a little longer to get those seats. <laughs> yeah, no, but Hey, another thing too. And, and Eric knows this cause you know, you do a autograph sign in here and there, but man, those like seat backs, I couldn't tell you how many candlestick seat backs I signed. I probably signed a minimum of 2000 and the giants even had them. I mean, they had 40 or 50 of them and I signed a bunch of them, but like some of those baseball card shows and all that I was doing, these freaking seat backs would show up out of nowhere and I'd have to sign a bunch of them. All right. Thrill. I think Tara has one final question for you. She said something about seven degrees of separation, honey, go. Well, we started talking about the Niners and Jerry Rice recently had a record tied. So McCaffrey tied Jerry Rice's single season touchdown record, right? Right. So is that he, what it was? His touchdown record? Okay. Yeah, All right. 20 or 21 or yeah. So what is his, what is McCaffrey's connection to you? Will? it goes through your daughter. Oh my God. Don't start <laughs> there, Tara. <laughs> All right. I, I don't know. You're going to have to explain this one. To All me. right. He's currently engaged to Olivia Culpa, who was in Miss Universe 2012. Ah. There you go. See, you're safe. Ah, it's just by so association. My knows her. All right. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Nice job, Tara. That was a good one. I was like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. What's he hitting on my, my baby girl? What's going on? Well, I mean, my, my other question, did you ever have any run-ins with ed mccaffrey back in the day i mean he was a great football player receiver for the denver broncos yeah no i, di I didn't I, yeah i didn't i knew who he was i've never met him before you know and i did know that you know christian just he's just a stud man god almighty i mean how i mean you know you see him at stanford but you like how's this gonna relate into the pros and to watch him do what he's doing on the pro level oof he's a stud He's up there. If you had to give the MVP award right now to one of two guys, would it be Brock Purdy or Christian McCaffrey? Everybody always likes to give stuff to the quarterback, so I'm going McCaffrey. Fuck yeah, man. This oh, goes yeah. back to your Everybody. argument about offensive stats for Hall of Fame versus defensive yeah. like players yeah. that just made a difference in the defense. Yeah. Exactly. And, He's you know, not defense, I mean, but still. You know, the quarterback's got to wear the freaking weird jersey. Oh, you can't hit me can't and all that me. sort of stuff. In the meantime, all the rest of everybody's getting their asses handed to him. It's like, give it to McCaffrey. He he deserved every bit of it. All right, Thrill. Well, I mean, I imagine that's it, dude. Have a Merry Christmas, bro. I mean, it's... Hey, look, look forward to it. Uh, I am going to be at the ranch uh in between christmas and new year's and then after the first year let me pull this up hang on hang on hang on hang on just go to dallas january january 2nd is uh tuesday and i'm open if you want to if you want to do a broadcast and all right and then that way that way we can find out what tara got you for christmas and vice versa yeah man we got we'll be going to i think i leave on the third to go in third or fourth to go to the thing in Dallas. But yeah, let's do the show on the, on the second. That'd yeah. be, uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. I'll make sure he wears one of his Christmas presents. Oh, <laughs> look at you. Hey, hey. All I know, 
All I know is there's a bunch of boxes that are showing up here at this house. And yeah, I, uh, I asked Lisa, I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, well, I got to give Christmas presents for everybody. I'm like, I'm like, freaking the FedEx guy today, he backed up to the front, front door. I'm like, seriously, how much do you have to unload? Make it stop, dude. I tell you this every fucking day. Make it stop. Enough's enough. No more boxes. <laughs> hey, thank God. Thank God I cut down a few trees here and there. I'm supplying freaking Amazon with boxes. Oh, jeez. Half our boxes that come are for Ann Burns. What are you talking about? Yeah, Troy, Troy's wife sends... All sorts of stuff here. I think probably just to hide it from Troy. I don't know, but it, yeah. it's we look <laughs> we literally we literally look like an Amazon headquarters, like a shipping facility. You know what's funny? You know what's funny though? And Lisa says it. And I know Tara, you've been saying it too. Is you know she'll order like six things, right? And you would think, all right, look, I'm gonna put all six things in a box and I'm gonna send it to her. No, it you get six, six boxes. boxes with one freaking thing in it. It's like, come on, man. And most of what I ordered is laundry detergent and toilet paper because we live in the boonies and they don't have it up here. Oh, look at you go. <laughs> anyway, all right. Hey, now, Josh, now, Josh, now I know we're going to get Burns. We're going to get him a case of toilet paper. Send it to his house. <laughs> I teepeed I my own house the other day on my daughter's birthday. No way. Yeah, no I was about messing her. But, but not of the how you actually teepeed. I teepeed the kitchen, which has oh, now okay. become the pickleball, inside pickleball court, by the way. Oh my God! All the furniture's moved up against the walls. I'll send you a pic. It's and there's a net down the middle of the house. As no way! Be. No way, dude! You're insane! You're insane! People have accused me of that before, yeah. I got the pickleball. Merry Christmas, y'all! All right, Merry right Christmas back at you, Tara. Have a great one with the kids. All right, everyone else out there, we'll see you on the second. Of oh, fuck, man, this is the last last show of the year. Yeah, yeah, we'll do a 2024 show. It's been a hell of a 2023 thrill. Yep, you know what? It's it's been uh, it's been excellent, and you know, I mean, I know you're gonna say something, but every everybody out there in the chat room, everybody on Apple Pod and Spotify and whatever other little thingamabobs we got going on, thank y'all for joining us. Uh, it's been a great year. I mean, we good lord, how much shit did we cover this year? You know, and uh, next year it's just gonna get better. That's it, man. Always growing, doing whatever we can to improve. If you could leave a review, hit five stars. If you're feeling generous during the holiday season, it would be uh, really cool. We would appreciate that. And just like you said, Thrill, I mean, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to everybody. And uh, see you on the other side, man. See you on the other side. Hopefully you get some snow and hopefully it gets out to 80 degrees for me. So I love it. All right, Thrill. Merry Christmas, dude. Merry Christmas, man. See ya!